when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. kings be stealing the gold or i guess we're just two kings huh patrick something like that (laughs) hey listeners aaron here with patch as you just heard and you're listening to our november donor pick episode on david o russell's three kings now patrick we decided to cover a war film this month in honor of veterans day and i'm really glad that we did i really enjoy this genre most of the time And I think that we had some pretty awesome choices for our donor pick movies. Uh, And I was kind of surprised that this one won, to be honest. Uh, But it was a close vote. So I got to ask you, have you seen this film or and or was there one that you were rooting for to win other than this? Well, like war films to me are a lot like NASCAR and boxing. I can really appreciate them when I'm surrounded by people who enjoy those things. Like my enjoyment like elevates, but on its own, I can kind of give or take, but no, I did not see this. I've never, I've never seen three Kings or really, I don't think any of the picks that we put on the list, which is, I think, um, I was glad to see any of them get picked because it would, it was a great chance to be able to at least experience these for the first time. Um, so I wasn't surprised that it got chosen, but I was surprised at what it was in terms of what I actually got from the movie. I'm surprised that you actually hang out around NASCAR fans. So <laughs> I guess you are still in Arkansas, so it's probably harder to avoid them than it is up here in Seattle. It's the most popular sport in the world, apparently. Oh my gosh. That's maybe not depressing. That's more depressing than a war film. Okay. Well, this is a mini-sode. This is a donor pick episode, so we have to say thank you to all of our amazing patrons for their support, for their votes. Uh, they got those votes by giving us money, and we like money because it helps us keep the show going. It helps us put out more episodes, um, keep the feed up, improve the website. Just so you know, patrons, we have some awesome improvements coming at the end of December. We're going to be revamping the website, doing something a little new, just just kind of a refresh of our podcast. Uh, we'll probably mention this a few more times in the last month or so uh, of the year, but we are excited to do that. And we can only do that because of your support. So thank you so much, whether it's a dollar a month or whether it's $10 a month, it all helps. And we could not be more grateful. So with that being said, this is a spoilerific podcast. So we are going to talk about this movie in depth. We're going to tell you everything that happens and talk about it. So if you haven't seen three Kings, it's pretty old. Nah, it's not really old. It's what is it? 2005 ish, 1999. I don't know. Yeah, it was close. (laughs) Second time. So this goes back all the way to 19, which is almost 20 years ago now. So that is old. Gosh, I'm old. Okay. So 20 year old movie. You should have seen it by now, but regardless, Go check it out. It's a pretty good flick. And then come back and listen to this conversation. Patrick, yes, you mentioned just a second ago that this movie was a weird experience in that it wasn't what you were expecting. Can you elaborate on that and give us your kind of initial impressions? So my experience with war films is usually pretty straightforward with the exception of things like Dunkirk, which has a different type of tone to it. 
And I, I think what I took away from this was, um, I like to use one word to try to get my head around what I felt during the film. And I think the word that came to mind was unconventional because this wasn't, it was a story that felt as it was progressing, at least the first half felt kind of, Oh brother, where artish, um, and kind of the, the, the dark comedy side of it. I didn't I expect seen it. it. Okay. So dark comedy esque. Okay. Um, and also starring George Clooney, who was also in that. And I didn't expect that um, when having really known nothing about the movie, uh, finding out that it was taking place during the events leading to or the events following the, I guess, our eventual uh, conquering of Iraq and rescuing Kuwait, an event that it was probably, which was probably the first war, the first conflict that I was ever privy to intellectually speaking. Like I'd only heard about world war one and two, the Korean war, Vietnam war. This is the first one that I was like, Oh yeah, I'm actually around and this is happening. And so going into it, I kind of expected a story about that. And I didn't expect a story about the aftermath and about these four individuals going after Saddam's gold and it turning into what was, I didn't expect comedy. Honestly, I didn't expect some of the matter of factness of some of the scenes and so the first half of the film, I got that. And then it turned into action adventure, which I was more used to, but still not within the confines of a backdrop of real world events. And so it felt uneasy to me most of the time, not necessarily uncomfortable, but just uneasy. And I was like, I don't know how to feel about any of this. <laughs> should I, should I be celebrating? Are we being sarcastic about things? Are we trying to poke fun at something? Or are we, are we using this as a backdrop to tell a bigger story? What's going on here? And I kind of like that. But at the same time, I didn't get all my questions answered. So I can't say that I love that. Yeah, well, we can definitely talk about your questions and see what those are and how they did not get answered. I will say that I don't, I don't remember the first time I saw it. It wouldn't have been in theaters, I don't think. But I know I must have seen it relatively soon after it came out. This movie came out in my first year in the military when I had just joined the Navy. So I remember that it was played a lot on my ship on my first deployment. Uh, we would get these movies on these small little cassette tapes. I don't know what they were, what the type of cassette was, but we would get them shipped to us relatively soon after they came out of the theaters and we would be able to watch them. And I remember just watching them on repeat on the mess decks where we would eat. Uh, so it's just movies constantly playing. It was kind of our entertainment. And this was one of a handful of movies that got replayed over and over and over and over. So I saw it a lot of times in a very short span uh, there at the beginning. I don't remember much about what I thought other than I enjoyed it because the collective whole and the environment I was in, everybody was laughing and got a kick out of it. Um, so the, the dark comedy stuff I remembered. And when I sat down to watch it this most recent time, I really noticed how stark the difference in the tones was. What you're talking about, partially a dark comedy, partially this political satire, scathing political satire. Mm -hmm. um, and then into this drama about basically human nature and leads in, into this huge act of, of sacrifice. Um, now, 
whether or not that plays out the way that I would prefer or not doesn't matter, but, um, that's what happens. And so it goes, it hits all these different notes. And it, and, and like you said, it's a, it's an uneven hole too, because it's not, you're so constant. You're, you're, when you're watching it, you're constantly kind of, your mind seems to be triggering back and forth between these different types of film, in my opinion. And so mm-hmm. it's a little harder to latch onto one of them and get into it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I follow the movie clearly. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. The, the narrative is not hard to follow. I mean, your story beats are very much clear, but it's the way that we get to those story beats. And so we start with a map being, you know, inside the, the, the rectal area of, of a towel head. And then we get, get I mean, that's the, according to Barlow, that's the proper name. I know. And that's, and that's, but that's, but that's true. Right. And in, in that time period, that is exactly what those characters would have called Iraqi soldiers or, or even Iraqi citizens. No, I mean, I'm just, I'm, laughing but i'm saying I actually, I actually like it's un, it was uncomfortable to me to hear those words um we're in a very sensitive place right now in our country mm-hmm. and we have gotten we've grown to where we don't just use those words flippantly like we used to and so now they're they they sound uncomfortable to hear them mm-hmm. used like that but in this in the context of the film that's what that characters would have done because that's what that character knows and that's that's Part of that accuracy is what I like about the movie. It feels like exactly how soldiers probably acted. Right. And I love the fact that even within that, there's a sense of hierarchy of respect because Barlow says, don't call them. Uh, I don't, uh, was it some other words that are definitely not appropriate? He's like camel, camel jockeys and towel heads are, pro- are, are perfectly appropriate names for these guys. And I don't know if it's him the way in which that conversation plays out is kind of hilariously weird because he's like saying, okay, these are offensive, but they're not as offensive as these words that you're using. So use the less offensive words because we're trying to pay some respect to these people that we're capturing. It's just this almost like this weird tongue in cheek vibe to it. And so you get that early on, you get the way in which they get the map and then you get, um, you get Gates who discovers it and, and then they go out on this adventure to steal the gold. And then all of a sudden a milk truck explodes and they go back and to this, t- to this village and it turns into something different. And then the tone shifts after quite literally after the first bullet is fired, the tone shifts. And I think it's kind of cool. I think David O. Russell does that intentionally, but it definitely feels jagged at that point like oh this is what i was feeling for the first 30 minutes of the movie now i'm feeling something really different and if that was purposeful then kudos to him but it definitely was glaring from a from an emotional standpoint yeah i i, I know what you mean it's that shifting of stuff that just it's sometimes it's jarring it which is kind of in line with the way the movie's shot the movie's very jarring i mean it, we mm-hmm. jump we jump cut and go into slow motion all the time randomly <laughs> in the strangest of times. And you know, the movie, it doesn't, I don't know. It has this weird flow to it. Like you said, there's, there's like sections of action adventure <laughs> and then it stops being action adventure and it gets dramatic and then it stops being dramatic and it goes into a monologue about 
political satire, you know, this is, yeah, this is one of those things. I think the cinematography becomes a supporting actor in the movie and it definitely sets the tone for what we're experiencing in the moment. Uh, I was doing some, some reading online and David O. Russell specifically said he didn't want a lot of gunfire because he didn't want to numb his audience to that. I mean, it's a common thing in war, but he was very purposeful in how he showed the, uh, the gunfire at least at first. And one of my favorite scenes is the slow motion shootout between Gates and his team and these Iraqi soldiers, the slow bullet flying each way. And that uh, visually it was just stunning, but having never been in war, having not been in military, I can't speak to this. I wonder if that's kind of the mentality of what's going on with these soldiers is kind of processing in kind of mental slow motion, what's going on here. Um, it, it, that's it, a great point. I think specifically in that scene where the, the, the gun battle happens, uh, where it slows down, there's a moment where, and I'm not going to get character names, right, Troy Barlow. There's a moment where, um, his character seem it starts to cut into slow motion and it's like he, you can see in his eyes and his body language that he's no, he's he's realizing and processing in that moment. He knows what's getting ready to happen, right? He knows mm-hmm. that someone's going to fire. He says, "No, don't do it," but he knows it's going to happen, and that there's going to be reactions, and all of this stuff's going to have to happen in matter of instant instance of seconds. And so, I think you're right. I think it does definitely at times kind of give you that perspective of the character because in in their in their mind everything is going into slow motion for a moment as all of this stuff is actually taking place. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a movie that I think tries to capture chaos of war and chaos of not really battles, but conflict in a way that not in the same way, but, in a motivating way like Hacksaw Ridge does when we get that constant beratement of violence and, and gunshot. I think Russell wanted us as an audience to connect with the characters in certain moments. We were an audience during the first 30 to 45 minutes. And then when that shootout happened, I think we became comrades of these four individuals because we got to absorb what they were experiencing. Had that been done in regular uh, time instead of slow motion, I don't think we would have gotten one, the the different tone, but also an emotional connection to the characters. At least that's what, that's what I picked up on. That's where I felt viscerally connected to, to Barlow specifically, because we know early on what he wants is to go in and get the gold and get out. You know, (laughs) he even makes a comment. He said, how's that going to, how is that going to look if I come home basically shot up a, with, you know, after the conflict is done, you know, how's that going to look and how's that going to be? And, um, I forget what, what Gates says, but obviously they end up going into, to get it. And so that line sets up a, a, a mental thing for me of going, okay, something's going to happen because he wouldn't say that without something going on. And so we get prepped for that. And then that, that, that gun battle, really lets us hone in uh, on those four individuals and specifically for me, Barlow. So it was effective uh, to say the least. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I guess, so I want to get into the act, the actual plot here and what we think about that. But when we're setting the stage in this, this, the fact that everything is drenched in this satire, it feels like Russell is using this to basically mock America's involvement in the war or America's motivation for involvement in the war. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also for Iraq and for them starting it in the first place. So it's, it's like a equal opportunity offender in a lot of ways. Sure. It feels like, um, but it, it definitely reminds me of the tone of what I saw on the news and what I saw around the world during this time period, during the Gulf war, we we thought we were doing the specifically the scene in the very beginning where they've just won and they're mm-hmm. partying and just going hard celebrating God bless the USA yeah. God bless the USA that's that's how it felt over here and I think mm-hmm. that's what they were trying to capture and of course we this thing this plan gets set in motion that takes our three characters four four three, characters four characters out into the world and now they're going to experience and learn that it's not like that. Right. It's not all fun. There's, it's not, it's not about like exaggerating the fact that you shot a guy from a hundred yards away and killed and shot him, got him in the neck. It's, and, and then exaggerating that to the fact that it's saying that his head popped off. It's about seeing that guy as a human being and the fact that maybe he had a, a family mm-hmm. and why is he fighting you in the first place? Is it because he's actually there to fight you or is it because he thinks that, you're doing something that you're not or what right. your motivation is. So, so here's, here's, I guess, what do you think about this idea of this plot in that? Okay. We found a gold map and we are going to go off on our own in a Jeep and find some gold. We're going to come back. Did you, did you find this a feasible adventure story? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> feasible in terms of being enjoyable for sure. I thought that would have been, that would have been enough for me to say, Hey, what's going to happen here? Especially when you set it up as sort of a dark comedy. Um, the, the unexpected shift I think was surprising and, and nice, but from a, from a storytelling standpoint, I looked at it as, um, this is going to be a, this is going to be a quest for gold with a lot of slap, not slapstick, but using the backdrop of the, of the Gulf war as a, a means to an end. I didn't, I didn't know it was going to turn into a political commentary, a social commentary on what war is and our perceptions as Americans living on the other side of the, of the world was, I don't know if I liked that too much because depending on the day, those types of things can rub me the wrong way because they don't necessarily provide resolutions. It's like, it's the Michael Moore effect. Like, let's talk about the problems and not really give any solutions to that. Let's just talk about the problems and amplify what we don't like about them. However, from a story standpoint, I I realized that it was going to be more when they found the gold, like within the first 40 minutes of the movie. And... I was kind of disappointed, but my disappointment was, was mitigated because of what transpired after that. So overall, I thought it was a good story. 
in terms of kind of keeping me guessing as to what it was going to be and what it turned out. But I, you know, my expectations were kind of like, Hmm, confused at that point. So I would say, I would say not really in terms of the, the, the gold, the gold plot being the driving force. Okay. Well, it feels very obvious to me, you know, they're, they're seeking out this money out of greed and in return, it's, it's kind of giving us a picture of America being there for greedy reasons in the first place. Okay. Um, and I think that's what it's trying to give us this example of we're, we're seeing through their actions where they're, they're showing us America. And I guess the hope is in this, if there is any, is that they're giving us a picture of what we want the whole country to be, which is in the end, understanding that it's not what you see and not what you think it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And now you're compassionate and upset even about right. the fact that we were there because that's how the characters end up. So when you, when you take it at its most political, I think it makes a lot of sense. Oh, absolutely. That's where I think it's incredibly effective, but what you're saying and as a, as an adventure story that it's kind of also billed as, because that's the, if the film is a bit of a problem, it's that it's, it's a little bit confused. It's, it doesn't commit to one's tone. It's it's doing all of them at once. It's hard to buy some of it as that. This is a movie that I think honestly is better watched the second time. Oh, probably. I, I mean, I, I think like it, it gets, more. And I, yeah. and I think it gets better because of the fact that I can't speak to Russell's filmography. I've only seen this and Silver Linings Playbook. So I don't know if other films require that same kind of approach, but if I were to pop this in in a couple of days with this conversation in mind, along with knowing what to expect, I think I would enjoy it a lot more because I got from the very beginning, the little hints of what was to come. I mean, think about it. You got the two reporters that are going after a story and there are three stories specifically that are called out that are stories that I think we would as Americans love to hear the celebration, the story of the, of the, of the cranes in the, in the oil. Um, these, these stories that have value of being reported on. And yet our main reporters like I'm telling my gold story, you know, or I need this story about it. it even to the reporters, both of those characters, it's all about greed. It's all about getting the, about getting the award, about getting the next big scoop. So having, those kinds of hints early on, knowing what it was going to become, I can probably say at least with half a sense of certainty that I would enjoy it more. And I would think of it as more of a cohesive narrative. That makes sense. Um, I also think that the character of Vig, uh, played by Spike Johns, by the way, or Jones, I don't know if it's Spike Jones or Johns, but uh, he's actually, he's directed a few films. It's wild. I didn't know, I guess, that he was an actor prior to I don't think he did either. I well. think, well, I say that because I th- I think I remember reading that this was one of his first acting gigs and he was really nervous and a Russell hasn't, like, hasn't had a lot of them. Um, no, he's, he's more behind the scenes guy. Yeah. He, he directed uh adaptation where the wild things are. And then most recently the Oscar nominated and beloved her, uh, movie with Joaquin Phoenix in it. And also very famous for lots and lots of music videos, but 
yeah, I was I was kind of surprised when I found out that that was him. And it seems like the fact that they are when you find out when I found out that they were Navy Reserve or not Navy when I found out that they were Army reservists, it put a lot of things into perspective for me mm. because Clooney is our special ops guy and he's our life lifetime soldier. You know, he's he's there forever. He's Delta, right? Is I that what he built? I don't know I what he is. Delta they Force. just they said special ops, uh, whatever. They probably were just trying to be generic. But these guys are these guys have jobs, you know, and they go through an explanation of what they are at one one point. Of course, it's made to be funny, but I took it as much more than that because it's it's a realization that like I I worked with Navy reservists for years and years and years, and I I understand what it's like for these guys who come in and women who come in and spend you know one week in a month training, and then all of a sudden we gear them up and send them away for six months to a year at a time. That's what these guys were. So they're not, they are going back to these jobs or, you know, like Vig says, I don't have a job. I just, you know, he's just shooting targets in the backyard with a shotgun. Right. Um, but through his eyes, I really felt like we got a sense of the, the American fascination with war. He was mm-hmm. hyper aware of that. And, and he would, he just thought it was so cool and so fun. And of course, over the course of the film, he, learns that that's not the case. And so, you know, for me, his death ultimately becomes like the most tragic thing in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's an interesting thing. um, If I remember correctly, he loses an eye first. And I think that this was just me picking up symbolically. So uh, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong or tell me I'm dumb. I felt like losing the eye gave him a different kind of perspective um, that he wasn't, he thought he was seeing things clearly and losing his eye caused him to kind of overly, I think over the course of the film, as he was losing a piece of himself, he started gaining more perspective and more obvious rounded out perspective of what was going on around him. And that's what I really enjoyed about his character is he did represent who we were as Americans and the perception that we had of what was going on over there. Like, yeah, Americans. And we see things exploding under um, night vision and, you know, we're, we're tearing down the the walls and blowing stuff up and Saddam's going to pay. But over the course of the film, we, we get the wider lens with him and we realize, no, <laughs> there are more victims here and they're victims that we didn't even think about. And that's what I think is probably the most effective thing about this movie is the fact that everyone involved gives you some kind of personal connection. One of the most, I think, honest scenes is uh, between it's, um, I don't remember the characters. I think it's uh, Colonel Horn mm-hmm. and, and Barlow as he's torturing him. And he tells the story of how he lost his, his son. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Russell, you did not have to show me that. Don't do that to me. You were just fine by telling me you didn't have to show me. And and I say that very tongue in cheek. Cause I was like, wow, I, didn't expect that. And it just broke my heart. Oh yeah. If we were, if we were doing connecting points, the moment where, uh, Gates rescues him mm-hmm. and hands Troy the gun and Choi looks at the Colonel and mm-hmm. then just fires into the wall angrily, just growling like, and then runs and goes away, leaves him and doesn't hurt, kill him yeah, or even hurt him like that. That moment would be my connecting point. That's like the ultimate moment of, forgiveness and compassion in the whole Mm -hmm. thing. Right. 
So we get we get this wide lens of empathy towards a number of people. And over the course of the movie, the expansion of that, I think, is very, very fascinating. Um, I think films are successful when they do that because we've talked about this so many times on the show with directors who are able to not give us what a protagonist is. Like we even talked about it on the edge of 17 last week that um, our protagonist is kind of a jerk. (laughs) She's not an antagonist, but she's sort of a, it's what makes her character more rounded. And Russell does this too. We get um, at the beginning, Americans are good. uh, Iraqis are bad. And then we get Americans are good. And some Iraqis are bad, but not the civilians. And then we get, Americans are good and some of the Iraqis are are good. And wait, even some of these guys that are working for Saddam, AKA the Colonel, he's got some compassion that we can give him. And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but gradually we just sort of break down these walls of saying, look, let's just love everybody. But in the movie, you're like, let's just love everyone. Cause that's what gets it done. Um, but Russell is, is great at that at least in this, in this film, he has, he does the same thing in silver linings where he gives us stereotypes, not stereotypes, but he gives us flat characters and rounds them out really well over the course of a movie. And I think he does that here too. So on that end, I want to ask, what do you think about Gates? Because, you know, this is a character who very clearly has risen through the ranks of the special forces and must be a Patriot. He loves his country Ultimately, we see that he has a good heart, but at the same time, you know, he's gone after this gold for whatever his reasons are. Um, Ultimately, in the beginning, it's selfish, in my opinion. I mean, he's going after the money, and in doing so, he risks these other men's lives and their livelihood, their well-being. He, He encourages these other soldiers to disobey orders and go with him, so... You know, what kind of man do we, what do we, what do we think about Gates in this film? Because is, I guess, is he, uh, is he fully redeemed in your eyes by his actions at the end of this movie? I think that he's consistent in his character and the actions that happen throughout the film are consistent, even though they seem to come from different motives. And the line that I think epitomizes that is probably one of my favorite lines in the movie. He's asking what the most important thing in life is. And he gets all the three guys to answer. And then he finally says it's necessity. People do what is necessary to them at any given moment. And he does that. Like that's his character in the moment that he's talking about it. He's going to get the gold. But then he talks about when they go back to the, when they go back to the, uh, the village, he said, he's questioned by gay, by uh, Barlow. And he says, Barlow says, Hey, what are we doing? We're going to risk our lives. And he said, what about, you know, what about necessity? He goes, the necessity changed. And so he's very honest about that. And I think that he's living out what he said. And as weird as it sounds, it's consistent with each action that he takes, which seem a little different from the one before. So if it's me and I'm creating a, just a standard character, he's going to stop at nothing to get the gold. And there's going to be casualties along the way, including his team in some way, shape or form. But the way Russell writes Gates' character, I don't know if he's redeemed necessarily, but I think he's not inconsistent. I don't think he's any different from the beginning of the movie to the end in terms of how he's motivated. Maybe the end result is different, 
but I don't, I don't see an inconsistency. I think that makes him a strong character. Yeah. I actually like him as a character too. I think he's, I think he's complex and not simple <laughs> and I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- it, it, so if I had criticisms about this, one of them though, I think is that it has a happy ending. Uh, too happy of an ending. I would have, I would have been fine not knowing what happened to the characters in the end mm-hmm. because there is, there are no consequences for their actions. And I think for me, and this may be petty in a way, but, but I, their acts of urging them to let the Iraqis across to save them did not undo the harm that they put the rest of their fellow soldiers in the, the, the army in general, the um, America trying to have to explain what's going on. Like I, they've, they've done so much to then have it all just washed away Mm -hmm. over the gold and getting the gold. It's, it bothered me, I think. And it it didn't, I, I know that it's jokey nature, but it, I would have, I would have liked for it to commit more. I would have liked for it to be like more of an, of a straight move with the drama and kind mm-hmm. of peak there instead of kind of coming back down to, to ending on the more of a humorous note in a way. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely from a, from a tonal point of view, it was definitely a, uh, uh, I guess you'd call it a dramatic sandwich, uh, between two humorous buns where you have dark comedy humor, humor at the end and then big drama in the middle. And so, but that, again, I think it goes back to, the tonal shifts and the expectation of that. Um, if I, again, if I watched it again, those, those things did bother me. I don't know that they would bother me as much this time around, but, but, but you're right. I mean, I feel like you and I are always going to be the guys that say, give us steaks, not just the meat because we love those, but also steaks in movies, you know, give us the ability to feel for characters and experience loss. And when the only loss we we experience is from not a minor character, but someone who's not necessarily leading the charge. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't want, I mean, I didn't want everybody to die or anything like that. But when you wrap it up with like, and in the end, everybody got what they wanted. <laughs> I mean, this is not Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. This is, this is war. And when you watch a war film, you're, maybe we're geared towards that. Maybe we're geared towards saying, it's not honest if we don't get real sacrifice, if we don't get a genuine empathetic loss for, for certain characters. So I don't know, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, I'm torn. I mean, his death, I don't know that it's for something per se, Mm -hmm. you know, like it happens because they're in the position that they put themselves in. It's tragic, but I don't feel like he dies for cause really. True. so the other thing I don't like about the film that I just got to mention is the the side story with um, Jamie Kennedy's character. By the way, us having just watched Scream, it was impossible for me to separate that character, and I kept waiting for him to like make movie quips to the reporter. <laughs> so don't look behind movies. Yeah, it was really difficult because he's not like Jamie. I had forgotten Jamie Kennedy was even in more movies than Scream. To be honest, mm-hmm. I thought when he an MTV DJ or something. VG. He was and he did the Jamie Kennedy Jamie experiment. Jamie Kennedy experiment. That's what it was. Okay. Anyway, 
I didn't care for that side plot much at all. Didn't really enhance the movie to me. Um, well, and and some something that I found an issue not issue with, but the way in which all this exposition was set up, I understood it, but it almost felt in some ways like the characters became throwaways. He included the reporters to an extent. Like I kind of lost interest in them once the four main characters were on their mission. Like I really didn't care to go back to what was happening uh, back at the base because Russell set, he, he he sets up this world of these four individuals pretty well, and so it kind of makes me forget about anybody else, including these uh, these two reporters. So the comedy of that sort of gets thrown under the bus for like, okay, we're good with you. Okay, let's move on now. And I kind of felt like that throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, I definitely did too. But, you know, there's there's plenty to like about it. And I, I did enjoy, you know, quite a few scenes and and moments in this. There was uh, the humor in particular is is really good. The fact that there's a whole that whole bit about trying to call 911 in the middle of the <laughs> desert. I simultaneously am laughing my butt off and rolling my eyes. Like, really? You just happened to find a satellite phone and call your wife and call 911? Hey, I'm an emergency. Like, I mean, the dumbness of that, <laughs> knowing mm-hmm. what, like, I've used a satellite phone in the middle of the ocean, Patrick. I know how this works. It was just, <laughs> it was silly. Like, I mean, not that it couldn't work, because it could. That's what makes it dumb. Because you would never do it for that reason, right. and funny at the same time. But overall, <laughs> dichotomy of, of feelings, right there. Yeah, but overall, I enjoy this one quite a bit. I, I I would say, coming on the heels of us just having covered Black Hawk Down very recently, and as a war film, this is so different. It uh, is. This is not about camaraderie, and I mean, let me back up. One of the things I do like is that they do genuinely seem to come to have some sort of a relationship slash forced friendship um, and concern for each other. But it's not the same as what we see in Black Hawk Down. Because right. in Black Hawk Down, everything is selfless. There's no, there's no greed. There's no personal anything in that movie. It is about the team. It is about the fellow soldier, and it is about getting out alive. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's not like that, which that's fine. It's different movies. But for me, I emote better or, or more. I connect more with Black Hawk Down than this one. And I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to revisit a Black Hawk Down more often than I'm going to rewatch Three Kings. I don't, right. it's it's a good movie, but it's not a great movie in my opinion. Right. And, and I actually, I'm backing down on, I, I thought before I rewatched it that I, I had it kind of like higher in my memory when it came to this. I actually had posted kind of a, like a mini poll and I was like, hey, is this David O. Russell's best movie? Um, and it's not for me, it's not, but I don't hate it. And, uh, it's, it's worth checking out once if you haven't seen it. Of course, everybody listening now hopefully has seen it, but hey, anyway, that's what I got to say about that. Well, the things that to end on a positive note, uh, the, the two things I want to say is I love the chemistry between Elgin and, 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 and Vig, um, Ice Cube and, and Spike Jones's characters. I thought they're the, the racial quips between the two of them was very genuine and they, they felt like a couple of, uh, they reminded me a lot of, um, Oh, the two brothers in oceans 11 fighting, uh, fighting with each other. Uh, there, there've been a number of different like couples, like bro, not bromances, but, uh, male couples in, 
an ensemble cast that do that. And I think those guys had fantastic chemistry together. Uh, the other thing is one of my favorite scenes that, that I laughed uh, out loud at was as they stormed the bunker looking for the gold and they find all this just really bad, like val- quote valuable stuff. Like it's stereo. It's a great stereo. And, and Barlow's like, there's no noise reduction. This isn't a good thing. Turn this music off. This is terrible. You know, it's just. That's a commentary on American greed. Yeah. And what Iraq considers to be like amazing Mm -hmm. worth lots and has high value in America. It's trash. Yeah. So it was, (laughs) it was ironically one of the the funnier scenes to me. So um, definitely enjoyable parts. Well, cool, man. I'm glad that we got to talk about it. And uh, as always, like we said at the beginning, uh, it's great when our listeners get to pick these movies. I think one of my favorite things about doing this podcast or adding to this podcast this year was our donor picks because it's not always the movie that you or I would choose. And it gives us it gets us out of our comfort zone a little bit and we get to talk through something that sometimes we don't love uh, as much. You know, we, we were talking offline before we started this episode about how if we have something on our schedule and we end up really not liking it, <laughs> this is going to, people don't read into this. We don't do this very often. Um, or if like, we just realize we don't want to see it. We can change that, right? We can drop that movie, but we can't drop a movie that our listeners chose. We're going to, we're going to talk about it regardless. And, uh, <laughs> and I think we did a good job. I think we found the best in three Kings and we both had a good time watching it. So all is well, uh, donors, our December voting is now going on. We will be emailing that out to the donors uh, very soon for them to start making their picks. And if you're listening to this between December 1st and December 10th of 2017, uh, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash film and become a supporter yourself and get in on the December vote. The December movies are going to be non-traditional Christmas movies. Let me see if I can do this off the top of my head. The picks are... I almost want to see. I was going to say Red Dawn, and that's not right. Gremlins. Gremlins, Die Hard. Why did I say Red Dawn? Gremlins, Die Hard, (laughs) Lethal Weapon, Edward Scissorhands. Batman Returns. And Batman Returns. Yeah. Little Penguin Bombs. So (laughs) choose which one you want. Uh, You can support us for as little as $1 a month, uh, and you can get in on the voting, or you can support us for more than that, get some cool bonus content like horrible trivia <laughs> and uh it's it's horrible because we're horrible at it but it's actually entertaining because we're so bad um sometimes we do other bonus content that's on there you can get access to all that as well some stickers and of course our eternal thanks but patrick it was fun love talking to you and can't wait for the next one listeners until next time as we like to always remind you stay positive and keep feeling film.